Hi listeners, welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB. And for the first episode, I thought I would talk about um, the accident itself, because uh, that is probably one of the most asked questions, or at least to myself, like, how could this have ever happened? Uh, like, oh my god, it's, it's still something that's just so detached, like... Uh, I won't go into what caused it. I know in the introduction I spoke about the fact that I was in a very toxic relationship. And again, I fully own my actions. I could have left that relationship. I could have not drank. I could have handled things so many different ways. And believe me, I wish I had. I wish my life had gone a much different route. But... It's, it didn't, and it's, I can, I can never take any of those things back. I can only, I can only continue forward and just be better. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's insane. I wish there was something like I could do that was of significance, but even if I accomplished some incredible thing which like again I spoke briefly in the introduction like I'm not gonna go on to cure cancer so uh even if I did it doesn't bring back that loved one like that it's not like that family's gonna be well cool you know you did that good for you uh how does that help us right so um I was in a toxic relationship and I'm not gonna speak about that Uh, I think it's unfair, even if I'm again presenting just my side of things. I won't, I won't tell that story. I'm not ready for it. Let's just put it that way. Um, it was it, it, there's a couple very, very, very traumatic experiences that I went through in that relationship, like where I was genuinely afraid for my, uh, you know, mortal safety. So I'm not going to go into those details because it's just not fair. You know, the other person can represent their side, and if I somehow, like, I'm, they're, they've moved on. Let's just put it that way. They've completely moved on. I'll bring that up in other stories. So, um, I'm only going to talk about the accident itself, and I got home, uh, I want to say it was a Saturday night, but it doesn't overall matter. It was a day where I had worked, and I came home and it was a little later like I got home around like seven or eight and I hadn't eaten dinner and I was just at that time the most depressed I'd ever been in my life at that time because uh since that moment I went through so many more times where I was so much more depressed it was it was not great but um and remember I, I did mention I'm very sarcastic so it's, it's just a coping mechanism. It does kick in when I speak about, uh, you know, very serious topics or things that uh, are very close to me. I weirdly try to, like, you know, create distance. And so please try not to fault me so much for it. Uh, hopefully you have some laughs. Like, I, I do believe my sense of humor is one of my strongest uh, suits. Uh, but it's not for everyone. So <laughs> we'll see. But 
Um, I was going through what I believed at the time was the most depressing period of my life. And so I, when I got home, I had not eaten dinner. And I just started pounding vodka, just shots of it, with no chaser, just just shot after shot. And I remember this. Like, I, I remember me counting up to, like, 11. And I just, like, took a heavy, like, sigh, like, oh. Because the fire, that last shot, just like, it was, oh my god. And I then do not remember a single thing from then on until the accident itself. Like, I woke up out being pulled out of the car. Like, I don't even remember the impact. I don't remember coming to, like, attempting to swerve. I do not remember any of it. Not Nothing. Not the impact. Not even really being dragged out of the car. Like, I... I kind of have a broken memory of that so it could have just been what my mind's filled in but I do re- I do very vividly remember coming to being leaned against a concrete barrier that's where my memory picks up I could barely stand I'm very confused very confused I guess I'd been knocked unconscious from the impact I've been going uh, about 80 miles an hour. I ran a red light and I did T-bone another vehicle. And and the person that was in that car, they did die immediately, which I didn't learn that. Um, I didn't learn that until the police officer, like, they put me inside of uh, the cop car. And I'm kind of telling this part a little out of order here. But I didn't learn uh, that I had killed someone until they had put me in the back of the cop car. And they didn't put hand like they did put handcuffs on me because uh, I believe they legally had to. Um, but I was I was just messed up, dude. Like I have a scar on my chin, and it is because of whatever I think my face hit, I don't know, the steering wheel or something, but, but, uh, my chin like was peeled back. Uh, so it was hanging by a flap. Uh, I was for three days after that pissing blood or excuse me, peeing blood, whatever. Uh, and I believe I cracked a couple ribs and I could barely breathe. And like, uh, my penis and my testicles, uh, turned purple and that's probably where the, some of the blood uh, was coming from. But anyway, it wasn't like just imagine that vol- or level excuse me, of injury and being put into the back of a police car. And then the female officer, um, she told me that I'd, ki- like, I'd killed somebody. They're like, you killed somebody. You're going to jail. Because I was asking for my lawyer, like, I also denied uh, medical treatment, even given my injuries. Like, I wasn't fully aware of what state I was in because I was very scared and confused and, again, didn't really know what had happened. Like, I did I was just at home. Like, what do you, what do you mean, like, I was in a car accident? I was at home. I was in my kitchen. I, I, how am I here? Like, what are you telling me? And then now you're, 
You're, now you're telling me I killed somebody? Oh, I broke down. I started sobbing because reality right then just hit me. I was sober right then. Like, intense pain just started raining down on me. Like, my injuries came into full effect. But none of that mattered because they said you were going to jail. And I said, you're telling me I killed somebody? And they're like, yeah, you killed, you you hit them with, like, your car hit their car. You killed somebody. And I said, well, then it, it doesn't matter what happens to me. And that's in the transcript, but that, it's not like to prove anything. I did never, I never really want sympathy through any of this, but I, I do hope my character at least is still there because at that point I literally didn't care, care what, excuse me, what happened to me. I didn't even know who I'd killed, but like there's, I could never, ever, and even now I still really can't understand that I did it like I know I did it and I I feel it I know it because I experienced like like what I went through because of that but there's a detachment from it because I blacked out my it's scientifically proven that your brain stops recording information when you are in a blackout state and I can never get those memories back it's not like I can go visit a hypnotist and then they can, you know, mesmerize me and restore those memories. They're, they are not there. There's nothing to restore. It's not like the memory is lost. The memory was never there to begin with. So I have a little filler um, from what I've pieced together through... Um, volumes of paperwork and pictures and um, witness statements and that is its own just um, it that's its own mess because several um, several witnesses actually gave like testimonies that they gave statements to the police saying that another vehicle was involved and that uh, those people saw that that someone had been killed and that they two of the people in that vehicle took off running and then the driver was there and then nothing came of that so very confusing and then we have conflicting statements of me going one way the cars going another different vehicles being involved uh, different statements a whole bunch of just like confusing mishmashes of stuff and uh, I did at first put stock into some of those things, and I may bring up bring that up in when I uh, discuss the preliminary hearing uh, for evidentiary reasons. But uh, at the end of the day, once like I looked past all that and I just looked at what took place, I'm like, I know that I am responsible for this accident. Like I did this, and um, in Nevada, like. The most important thing is approximate cause. So I, being drunk, should never have been on the road in the first place. And it doesn't, uh, you know, come to question like, oh, I was too impaired to even know that I was driving. Well, that, you know, even to me, I agree with the fact like that doesn't jive. Who cares? Like I should never have drank so much to get drunk to the point of not being able to make a reasonable call. 
and I fully agree with that. Like, that's absolutely true. Like, I, I abused alcohol. I did the most destructive thing possible where I thought I was going through something of significance, exacerbated it one million times by intaking a destructive level of alcohol, and then I not only hurt myself, but I absolutely destroyed somebody else's life and their families. So, I I have to live with that, and I, I do own that fully, and it is getting easier to talk about, thankfully, um, because... Most people like that I've brought it up to, they don't think, oh, hey, that guy's been to prison or wow, that dude's killed somebody like they never would have guessed that. So I have that working for me. And then I it's not obviously the first thing I bring up because I am very scared of how people react or what they'll think of me because I um, I don't quite care like what people think per se. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't want to be that person, man. Like, I, I do believe that I am a good person, although I've done a very terrible thing, uh, even if it was unintentional. And, um, the accident has just shown me, like, how easy it is for something uh, just what could have been insignificant and how it can get blown way out of proportion and be life changing. And I, I remember, and this is kind of fucked up, but I, this is true. It was about a year or so before the accident. And, uh, I lived on a, like a portion of town where a lot of DUI accidents were taking place because there was like a major thoroughfare there like in a highway and whatever and people were speeding all the time and more often than not uh, they also were drunk so uh, during one accident it was just it was an awful accident and uh, a couple children were involved and I was asking my girlfriend at the time like oh my god dude it's always the drunk driver that lives like why is that and like scientifically I get why it happens, you know, usually, uh, they're in a more relaxed state. So when the impact happens, like they don't lock up and blah, blah, blah. Um, I get that. But I then unfortunately had a more existential answer for that. Um, because it's then they have to live with what they've done. And that answer came to me, um, maybe a few months into jail after the accident and and it hit me so heavy and it has it has really stayed to me uh till this day because I do have to live with it I mean I guess I don't have to like I could I could throw my life away and do that or whatever I'm not going to that's not uh you know I've I have not considered that at all so please don't uh, report me or whatever um but the other side of that is then okay well if i'm not going to do that i live with it and i'm i believe i'm doing okay but uh, i want to continue these i want to continue these i i do need to uh summarize a few more things i'm i'm already pushing 16 minutes here but uh so the accident 
uh, when they after they pulled me out of the car, I remember uh, the EMTs. You know, they wanted to take me to the hospital, and I refused medical treatment. Uh, and I was like, no, there's no way I'm doing that. And they had my wallet, so they filled out all my information on the paperwork, and they just needed me to sign legally, and then they could take me. But I was being argumentative, and I didn't want to go. I just wanted to go home. I really just wanted to sleep off this, um, like, alcohol, like, my drunkenness. I wanted to just, like, take some time so I could figure this stuff out. I was, like, again, very confused. So, no, thank you. Do not want to go to the hospital. And I couldn't tell, like, like how fucked up I was. But I did notice that they spelled my name wrong. So, I, you know, corrected uh, them. I was like, guys, this is how you spell my name. But also, no, I'm refusing to go. So they had me check mark the box saying I was refusing and I signed my name. Um, and I was like, thank you. And then um, that's when they gave me a field sobriety test. But uh, because I refused a breathalyzer, like I was like, no, I'm not going to do a breathalyzer. Like I, I just I knew enough that I didn't want to do that because I knew that I had been drinking. So I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, please. And again, at this point, I did not know that someone had passed away. Uh, I would have been much more, uh, I guess I was firm. I wouldn't say ar- like argumentative per se, but yes, I was firm uh, and not generally agreeable. So I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you to a lot of things. Uh, but then I got to find out very quickly that if you refuse a breathalyzer, legally you were then under arrest because they have probable cause to take you down somewhere uh, to either do a blood draw or they can then, uh, well, they can do a cotton swab, a couple other things, oral swab. So, uh, I was like, fine, I'll do your little, uh, your field sobriety test, but keep in mind of the level of injuries that I mentioned earlier, I could barely walk, let alone stand. So when they had me walk the line, that was an automatic failure. Um, and now again, my, my drunkenness is starting to wear off, so uh, I'm starting to feel some pain. Like, the adrenaline's gone, things are starting to sink in, uh, so I automatically fail that, and then that's when they, you know, slap the cuffs on me, and then put me into uh, the back of the car, and unfortunately, that's when they tell me that someone had passed away, and uh, I went, uh, they drove me to intake from there, to the uh, local jail, um, and I was actually denied there because of the level of my injuries. They were so significant, and I was in so much pain by that point that I was just like moaning mostly and kind of maybe screaming a little bit. I was just just a fucking mess. It was awful, and they denied me uh, intake because, like I said, my face was just a bloody mess. Like my chin was hanging, uh, so they took me to the hospital, rightfully so. And they handcuffed me to a gurney, and they wheeled me in, and then they... I don't think they gave me painkillers. I can't really tell at that point. They did do a CAT scan. They did, uh, you know, make sure that I wasn't completely just destroyed. Um, During that time, however, uh, they did also get what's known as a telephonic warrant. So they did do two different blood draws on me, and they were... uh, That's why... Excuse me where they can do a retrograde extrapolation. They need two different blood draws, and usually with a certain amount of time between them. Um, I'll go over that in preliminary hearing, probably. 
but uh, they did take the two blood draws, so they, I mean, they knew I was drunk. They could smell it on me. They could see, like, um, just how I was acting, probably a number of other things that were not only just brought on by my injuries, like uh, incoherency, uh, being knocked out, etc., slurred speech. Those are, yes, uh, injury-related, but they... They knew I was drunk. I knew I was drunk. And then at that point, since I had killed somebody, like, I was just quiet. You know, I was just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew, I knew I was, um, I knew I was in a very, very big, like, a very large amount of trouble. Um, Like, something beyond that I could even comprehend or think or feel or take in. I just felt honestly like a scared, trapped little boy who wanted just someone to help him, and there was just nothing there, and so I was just kind of going through it, and um, uh, I'm at about 21 minutes here, so this is this is where I'm going to wrap up, because they, uh, they do take me back to jail, uh, and they take me to intake, and I guess I could discuss intake leading into my preliminary hearing, but... Uh, the accident, the accident is something that is so, uh, like a part of me and also something that I don't want to be a part of me and also isn't because again, I blacked out. Like it's, it's so confusing and it's so hard to wrap both my head around and also my, my emotional, uh, I, I guess emotional range, like. Because I've had some extreme highs and extreme lows through that whole experience and also riding out of that. And like I said, counseling did help a, a great amount, but it was hard discussing something. Like the person I talked to, she never killed anyone, you know? It wasn't like she had a, a great amount to talk about her during her uh, little time in prison. Never experienced any of those things. She did go to prisons and she was a counselor to those people um, who were incarcerated at the time so she did do face-to-face in prison so i you know i respect her for that she was very helpful she was a wonderful resource um but i need something just a little more so i'm hoping uh people get uh just a little bit out of that this is just to explain the accident and how easy it is uh for something to come out of like like something so little, it was just a bad relationship, and then it, it turned into an accidental death. Like, excuse me? I believe alcohol is one of the worst drugs out there, and I consider it a drug. It's a downer. You drink, 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 and it feels like an upper. You're feeling, you know, a little warm, a little happy, and then, you know, too much, and you can't remember. You can't think. You're no longer yourself. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous, and it's uh, it's barely regulated. It's something joked about all the time, and I'm not here to preach either, because there are just just millions of people out there that can have their drink just fine. They can have a little bit and be just fine. They can be totally responsible. Uh, same thing. Like I'm never gonna talk about. Uh, probably religion, guns, politics, all those other things, because there's always two sides or multiple sides to those things. Like if you spoke with any reasonable amount, 
I believe that all sides could find common ground within there. Like, because each side has good points. So, that's kind of where I'm going to try to talk from, is just my experience in the middle ground. So, uh, what I experienced was, yeah, alcohol can be insanely destructive. And it only takes one time. I'm, I cannot say that I didn't have other times where I had driven drunk. I was young and stupid, and I, I should not have done those things. But I didn't do it with regularity, and the few times I did it, I w- it seemed like a wake-up call. So I, I stopped that. Like, I did not drink uh, insane amounts like that anymore. I, I had parties at my place, and I never drove. Because it was my place. I just went to sleep. Like, you know, you just go to bed. And everyone else, nobody had any problems. They would drink a decent amount. Then they would leave. No accidents. So, this accident is something where you, it shocked me. I had been at my own place, and and I just autopilot took over. So, uh, that's my story about the accident, guys. Uh, thank you a lot, again, for tuning in. And uh, I do hope you continue to tune in. Excuse me, tune in. Good God. Uh, there won't be any editing, by the way. Uh, so... You're just getting raw, live, all the recorded uh, stuff here. So thank you again for tuning in. Sorry this one went a little long. I, uh, I'm trying to keep them around 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, but there was a lot to talk about. And then the preliminary hearing, that one's probably going to be a little longer too. So uh, this was The Road Less Traveled. I'll see you next time.